Well, in your bulletin is uh, one of these uh, small group packets. Take a look, pull that out, take that home, look over the different opportunities uh, to, to be a part of a small group. Think about which day and which time and which group works best for you and your family to be a part of and, and sign up to be a part of a small group this semester at Wallula Christian Church. We'll have sign-ups going on for three weeks. Our groups are always open. You can be a part of those groups at any time. But uh, this is what I've found. My experience has been that uh, that typically doesn't happen as much after these three weeks. That if, if somebody is going to be involved in a small group, they're probably going to register and sign up in this initial uh, three-week period. And so right now is your opportunity. If you've been thinking about it and you've been considering it maybe the last couple of years or maybe you're, you're brand new, you've been here just a couple weeks and you're thinking, how do I, how can I really make some, some friends? How do I get to know people? This is one of the very best ways to do that. And so seize the, the, the day, right? Take advantage of this opportunity and uh, sign up for a small group. And, and uh, there's more of those uh, small group packets at the Next Step Station. You can grab one on your way out if you don't have one. You can sign up and leave that registration at the Next Step Station this morning as well. Uh, be a part of a small group uh, this fall semester here at Wallula Christian Church. Uh, we came home from vacation, and my kids on the way home started realizing, uh, maybe for the first time, that, man, school starts any day. You know, that we're going to get home from this trip, and then there'll be one week, and then school starts, and they're kind of counting down the days. And my youngest daughter said, we need to go back to school shopping, right? I mean, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I want a new first day of school outfit, and all that sort of stuff, and it, it reminded me growing up as a kid, and that back-to-school time, and every year when school started, you know, it was time to get that back-to-school clothes and the, some new shoes, and I remember thinking every year as a kid in grade school, my mom, you know, I, I need a new pair of Nikes. That's what I need, and, and my mom always said, well, no, you're not buying, we're not buying those. You're just going to outgrow them or ruin them anyway. We're going to go to this store and we're going to get a pair of these shoes. I remember these shoes, they were called Pro Wings. You know, they tried to look like, and it was just, I was like, I'm not going to have any friends. My life is going to be over. This is, this is a terrible parenting decision. You know, how can you, you just don't get it. You know, you just don't understand. These are not the real thing. These are obviously, you know, this diminished product. It's not, it's not as good, Mom. Nobody thinks that you, you ought to fork over the dough for these real, authentic shoes that I need for the sake of my education. If you loved me, you would buy this. And, and, and I guess as a parent, I, I understand this more, right? Because you look around my house, it's filled with all the generic stuff, right? You go through the pantry in our house, it's filled with all the generic stuff. And, and I, I got to thinking, I did a little research, I wanted to find out, you know, can you really tell the difference between generic products and name brand products? And for some, there's probably a little bit of difference, and for some, there's, there's not so much. I want you to maybe try to guess as we take a look at these pictures of just different uh, stuff you might pick up at the grocery store. Maybe it's in your pantry right now and determine whether there's a real difference between the name brand or, or the generic stuff. We're just going to do this in sort of by, by more than half of the people that responded in these surveys. How about the first picture we have here is flour. What do you think? So in this, to conduct this very scientific survey, the, the author of this article baked uh, several uh, 
batches of cookies and, and they made some cookies with the, with the name brand flour and some cookies with the, uh, the, the generic brand flour, the store brand flour, and less than half of the people could determine the difference. In fact, many of the people chose the cookies prepared with the generic flour over the name brand flour. So I say just, you know, you can buy generic. How about the next one? Ketchup. I thought for sure there'd be a difference, right? You surely should be able to tell between the name brand ketchup and the the generic brand ketchup, but 60% of the people chose the generic ketchup over the name brand ketchup. So go ahead and, and save, you know, 10 cents and buy the generic ketchup, I guess. The next one, peanut butter. What do you suppose? This was sort of reverse. 60% of the people chose the name brand uh, peanut butter. Thought that was a little bit better. How about milk? Almost no difference. In fact, the uh, experts say that the name brand milk that you buy in the store and the generic milk that you buy in the store very likely came from the exact same producers and distributors. It just has a different label on it. So there's almost no difference. Yeah, between name brand milk and generic milk. How about the, we, we get to the really important kind of health food part of the day. This is what we all came to find out. What about the generic Oreos or the real Oreos? And for sure, 70% of the people said they preferred the actual Oreos. Now, to be fair, these are actually labeled on the cookie, aren't they? I mean, maybe... Maybe we're cheating just a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some things that you just swear, hey, the, I can absolutely tell the difference between kind of this name brand product or the generic product. Uh, you know, uh, when, when you were a kid, maybe you had to suffer through those pro-wing days instead of the Nike days in grade school, and you just thought, oh, my life would be so much better if I had the real deal. And, and you figure out that sometimes there's a big difference and sometimes there's not. And I suppose the trick is just trying to determine, well, when, do, when does it really matter? When does it really matter if it, I, I need this authentic thing in my life or, or I can kind of get by with this less, you know, this generic sort of deal? And, and when it's really important, right, we need our authentic selves to be present. And that's for sure true in our relationships, isn't it? We can't slide by with kind of, you know, not being who we really are in our relationships. It's got to be us or those relationships won't be true and they won't be real. And that's for sure true in our relationship with God and our, our worship should be authentic and we can absolutely faithfully worship God in, a, in, a, in an authentic way. And I just want us to figure out today, what does that look like? I think Malachi, the first chapter, uh, we're going to go all the way through chapter 2, verse 9 this morning and taking a look at three steps that help us to faithfully worship our God who absolutely deserves our worship. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Malachi. It's the very last book in your Old Testament. And so just before you get to the Gospels, uh, beginning with Matthew, you'll find the book of Malachi. We're going to spend this morning considering three steps to, to really uh, worshiping in an authentic way. What does that look like in our life? We're going to consider those three steps that we find in the first chapter of Malachi. We're going to read through verse 9 in chapter 2. Book of Malachi, chapter 1. This is what God's Word says. 
and oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you asked, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord says, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins, but this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, what, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying to, by saying to the Lord's table that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at its contempt, at it contemptuous says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a, sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And now this admonition is for you, O priests, if you do not listen. And if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will sp spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I give them to him this call called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found in, on, on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty, so I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have home, but have shown partiality in matters of the law all right so that's quite a mouthful as we uh, begin considering these three steps to uh, to real authentic worship and step number one we don't have to read past verse one to come to terms with this first step 
uh, an oracle, uh, a prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Step number one is to listen to God's message. Uh, That's really what verse 1 teaches us, is that God has a message for us, an oracle or a prophecy. You look that word up in the dictionary, and it it talks about religious utterings, and it talks about this prediction of the future, and and verse 1 tells us that God has a message. He has has a warning for his people, and and as you read through verse 1, you realize, man, this is coming directly from God. The word of the Lord for Israel, for his people, and he's going to choose to send this word. He's going to choose to send this message through his prophet Malachi. Malachi uh, co- uh, coincidentally means a messenger. You know, the, the, that's this guy's whole purpose is to share this story, to share this message that God has for uh, his people. And it, it, it's a word of God, the word of the Lord to Israel. We know that it comes from God. He wants, he wants us to understand that the, these are his words, not, not Malachi. Malachi is sharing his word. We were driving to, to D.C. and I, I had some... I, ongoing text messages with some different folks and and they were asking questions about some stuff and and one person sent me a text message and and I said uh, you know Sherry can you reply to this text message for me and so just tell them this and I you know said what I wanted to say and she typed out the text message and she sent it and a little later I looked at that te- text message and you know there was sort of this air and the you know she just mistyped something and and so you you under you, you could understand easy for me to say you could understand what the text message meant but there were there's this word that was misspelled in fact it wasn't even really a word and I said Sherry come on this is why I have to tell the kids you know when I have them do this as I'm driving down the road hey don't shorten any words don't I don't want any abbreviations I don't want you to send any words that I don't know what they are in the text message I just want old fashion, old man, actual English words typed in this text message. And, and so I said, Sherry, come on, you know, what's the deal? She said, hey, they don't think it's from me. <laughs> I, yeah, right, yeah. They already know you're a dummy. Don't worry about it. I mean, oh, you're, yeah, you're right. That, that's probably true. And, and that's kind of how that text message works, right? I mean, you, you think it's from somebody else, you can type it and no, not worry about what the deal is. And we, we worry about it because it's, they think I said that. You know, I don't want, I don't want any cutesy eighth grade language in there because I, I you know, I, it comes from me. And so right away in verse one, what we're going to hear over the next five weeks is from God. You know, it's so important. We talked about the fact that for 400 years, he's going to be quiet. Uh, makes this message really important. Uh, we don't need those 400 years of silence to know, or several hundred years of silence to know that, hey, if it comes from God, if it's God's word, then we probably ought to pay attention to it. And we ought to listen to his message. But what is his message? I, I don't know about you, but as I read, you know, the Old Testament sometimes, and especially the prophets, you read, you read the prophets, you read this first chapter of Malachi, and there's some stuff you kind of have to wade through. There's some stuff you have to kind of figure out. And, and you wonder sometimes, what's the real message here? 
You know, is it, is it even worth uh, trying to figure out? It reminds me of when I was a kid, you know, one Christmas I got some walkie-talkies for Christmas, and, and right on the front of the walkie-talkie is this, this cool red button, and you press the red button and it makes these beeps, and, and underneath there was this uh, diagram, this key for uh, Morse code, you know, long beeps and short beeps and which uh, combination equals, and it, you know, you get with your buddies and you try to send Morse code messages, and it was just almost nearly impossible to determine what's a long beep and what's a short beep. I mean, it was just too hard to figure out, right? And sometimes we come to the Old Testament and we think, well, maybe it's just too hard to figure out. In fact, there are some preachers, one, one uh, very famous preacher and author who recently said in the sermon, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we need to unhitch from the Old Testament because sometimes the Old Testament teaches us stuff that, that it makes it hard for us to believe in Jesus. And sometimes we can come to the Old Testament with sort of that attitude that says, man, this stuff is just really hard. This is really difficult. And sometimes God doesn't remind us of the God we want him to be. But man, this message is so clear. And he's making it so easy for us right up front. Because verse 2 begins by saying, I have loved you, says the Lord. I want you to understand that even though there's going to be some stuff in this passage, in this book, as we walk through over the next five weeks or so, there's going to be some stuff that you say, man, that is really tough to figure out. I want you to know that you don't have to figure out the long beep or the short beep for the Morse code message that God has for you. It's this simple. And no matter how deep or how hard we have to kind of work through and figure out what's the, how is God working in this message, this is the end game. And this is the message he has for you. This is the message that he wants Malachi to send to his people. This is why God is sending these heavy warnings to his people that we're going to work through over the next several weeks because he loves you so much because he, he he created you and he designed you and he desires a relationship with you you are so important to your creator god that he sends this message in the first place he loves you big big much and the message begins and it's so clear right up front from malachi to his people the lord has said he loves you but you ask, how have you loved us? Man, we've experienced some tough stuff. How have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord says, yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. You know, this language turns right away, huh? This language of love and hate, and it's tough for us to understand. But this language exists all through the Bible. In fact, when you turn to the Gospels, Jesus will say to, to folks who are, are seeking to follow him, hey, if you want to follow after me, you have to hate your mom and dad. You know, we, we read that and we go, what? That, that can't be right. Why in the world would Jesus say that? And what's Jesus really saying? Is he saying that in order to follow Jesus, you have to hate, you have to despise your parents? Well, that's not what he's communicating. That's not what he's trying to teach. He's, he's teaching that, hey, there is a priority here and that, that you have to make me a relationship with God, the most important relationship in your life. It's got to be the highest, biggest most important priority. 
Now, that's, that's true in our relationship with him. If we, want, if we want all those other relationships, the most important relationships in our life, whether it's, it's, it's father to son or son to father or husband to wife or, or whatever those relationships are, if we want those to be managed well, then we, it would make great sense for us to begin and to prioritize this relationship with God. It's got to, this has to be the most important relationship. God's word goes on to say that Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins, but this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. You can kind of understand, we, we've, we've experienced this in our own life, in fact, the, the people of Israel said, how, how can we know that you love us? Because sometimes when you say, hey, the, the, these, these nations, these people who are ignoring you, they, they can rebuild, they can build up, they can, they can seem to be doing well, their life can seem to be heading in the right direction. And God said, you don't worry about that, and, and ultimately, everyone will realize and everyone will understand that I am God and great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. Verse 5 sort of begins this theme. Great is the Lord, the Lord Almighty. We'll read that over and over in the first chapter, in the second chapter, in the third chapter, in the fourth chapter, all through the book of Malachi. This is going to be a theme that runs that great is the Lord. And ultimately, everyone will see how big God is and how much he deserves our relationship and our faithfulness in all the different areas of our life that we're going to talk about beginning right now and our faithfulness to pay attention to what he has to say for to us to listen to God's message and then to respond to that message is really step number two to offer that authentic worship let's work our way through verses 6 through 14 and try to figure out what that looks like uh, we're going to begin in verse 6, and we're going to read this sort of these different questions and answers that, that happen here at the beginning of the book of Malachi. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? So we begin with this with, uh, question and answer, and these question and answer sessions aren't going to be especially easy. You know, you, if you have ever been to a seminar or whatever, and you get to the end of these question and answer parts, it's supposed to be the easy part of the seminar, right? You've kind of digested the material, you've gone through all this stuff, and now you're just seeking a little clarity. This should be wrapping things up. But sometimes uh, questions and answer, this dialogue can be sort of contentious. It can be difficult. Have you ever, have you ever watched the press secretary and these meetings? with the press and this most recent one that I saw the other day uh, the press secretary that one reporter was saying I need you to tell me that I'm not an enemy of the people and this question and answer that was going on it was just sort of this it was sort of funny to me I don't, I don't suppose it's supposed to be funny and I I don't suppose you should laugh but just to sort of hear the 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 whining and crying and the refusal of both sides to kind of have this conversation, you can see how these, when we're asking really uh, serious questions, when we have, you know, certain responses that we want to hear back, how difficult these Q&As can actually be. And in uh, verse 6, we have this sort of contentious 
question and answering session going on where God said, you've shown me contempt. And, and the people say, well, how did we do that? And, and God will go on to answer in verse 7, you placed defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would you, would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. God deserves our very, very best. I, I think that's what I'm, I'm hearing when we think about authentic worship. God deserves us to be prepared. God deserves us to be ready. God deserves our very best in worship. When I was a kid, again, wearing my pro wings around town, you know, this used to make easy sense to me because we, we you know, we had this, our Sunday best, right? We used to dress up for church and, and hey, you, you saved these clothes because they were your best clothes to wear to worship God. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I wore a tie to church and it was sort of, it was a much bigger response than I expected, you know? I mean, I got a lot of the usual sort of things like, did somebody die? That sort of stuff, right? I, yeah, 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 no. And anyway, and, and, but some folks, some folks went to the elders and asked them, is Lance making some kind of announcement this morning? Is there some reason we should be paying especially close attention today? Because he's in a tie, What's going on? And, and it used to be you just dressed up because that was your Sunday best, right? I, I mean, we sort of lost that. In fact, on vacation, my son, we went to church and we went, visited a church while we were in Washington, D.C. And, and so we show up and my son has sort of caught a little bit of this. You have to dress up. You have to wear your Sunday best to church. And, and so for my son, that means, you know, shorts with a button, right? That you have to button and zip, those are the fancy clothes, and so we show up to church, and he's got, he, you know, he's got his fancy church shorts on, and we're going to church, and he said, Mom, will you put this in, in your bag and, and take it with you? And it was athletic shorts, because he can't go all day in the fancy shorts that you have to button and zip, right? That, that's rough. You know, God deserves his best, but the rest, not so much. You know, we, we get this message. My kids were at CIY, and they sent some, you know, pictures started showing up on Facebook. One night at CIY, the youth group had a, had a, a formal night, I think they called it. They had different themes every night. You're supposed to dress up. Zach's instructions about this formal night were just, hey, what should we wear? What's it supposed to look like? Well, wear your, your church clothes, Zach said, right? I kind of grew up in that same area. You're supposed to have your Sunday best. This is the picture they sent from formal night. There's a kid in a pickle costume. <laughs> Zach pointed that out on Facebook. I don't know why at formal night this kid's in a pickle costume, but Zach's dressed up like a Middle Ages monk. And I don't... Anyway, so, I, you know, your Sunday best might mean whatever, right? But that's why we did it, huh? That's why, hey, you know, we're, we're supposed to be honoring God, even with the little things, like how we dress. And so we're going to honor God with that. And, and that's sort of the same sentiment. That's sort of the same idea. Uh, you know, honoring God and the heart condition. We're going to read a little more, and we'll, we'll figure out that what really matters is the heart of folks involved here, Right? But sometimes our actions are absolutely a reflection of our heart, and, and God is just using those actions as an illustration for the problem that some folks had in their heart and, and saying, hey, I can, I can get by with giving this to God, 
You know, I would never offer that to somebody else who was important in my life. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go and offer this to pay my taxes to the governor because he would reject it and I'd be embarrassed and I'd have to figure out and pay the consequences. But maybe I can get by by giving it to God. God is, loves us so much. He's our creator. He's a big, big God. He deserves our worship and our heart just has to be right in that. And sometimes our actions absolutely reflect our, our heart. God's word goes on to say, now implore God, you know, you, you try to get by with, with less than to God, and now you'd implore him to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors. Listen to verse 10. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offerings from your hands. You know, it's not often that you hear God say, I'd rather the church doors just be shut. But that's his message. You know, none of this, if your heart's not right, it doesn't mean a thing to me. You might as well close the doors. And you might as well just go do whatever else you're going to do. goes on to say, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Somebody is going to worship me. Somebody will acknowledge me as, as God. If, if it's not you, then, then who will it be? But you profane by saying that it's the Lord's table, it's defiled, and of its food, it's contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it, uh, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in the flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. No Notice that God doesn't say, hey, you have to dress a certain way to worship me. That you shouldn't show up to church unless you're, you, you know, you're, you're dressed one way or you have this to offer or you have this to give. That's not the point, right? The point is when, when you have, when you have that gift to give, when you, when you have that talent to serve, when you have that ability, and you say, I'm not going to give that very best to him. I'll offer him something else instead. God just wants uh, uh, us to acknowledge him as our God and to give him the very best that, that we have to offer. But step number three is to just walk the walk and talk the talk. He, he's going to go on and he begins to, to talk specifically to leadership. And now this admonition, this command is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I'll curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Uh, do, you, do you hear what God is saying? God's saying, you're going to teach, you're going to offer these blessings to other people. You're going to talk about me and you're going to share my story and I'm going to curse Curse those blessings if your heart's not right. Leadership is, is serious. It's important. We can't, we can't lead where we haven't been. And our heart as leaders in and, and, and the church and as leaders in our family has to be right. 
We have to set our heart first. We can't lead where we haven't been. Walking around Washington, D.C., my, my son would ask all the time. We'd say, hey, maybe we're going to go check this out. And he said, well, where is that at? And every time my response would be the same. I don't know. You know, I've never been here. We're going to figure out where to go and how to get there. And I'm not sure what direction it is from here. I don't know where I'm at. We can't lead where we haven't been. And so as leaders, we have to get our hearts right with God. We have to be determining how we can, we can be studying his word and we can be true in our own quiet times and focusing on him as we lead our, our families and our, our small groups and our church well. goes on to say... Uh, uh, in verse 3, because of you I will rebuke your descendants, I will spread on your faces the awful from the festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it, and you will know that I have sent you this command so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. And, and he's going to offer this description of what, what, a, what a real priest ought to look like. You can, you can look at this covenant and its origins in Numbers chapter 25, verses 10 through 13, and that's sort of the reference here, but he's, he's painting a picture of what a real uh, a priest looks looks like, somebody who's really set on serving God, what does that look like? My covenant was with him and a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him, and this called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. And when we lead in that right way, for the lips of the priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. Mighty, but you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. This is so important because, you know, this our, our love, our sharing of the story, our, our leading for God, you know, that, all that stuff is catching we were on vacation. We decided uh, one of the things we wanted to do was go see. Uh, we're a baseball kind of family, so we went to a Nationals game. We show up at this game, and we don't. I don't know much about either one of these teams. I know that the Nationals' very best player is hitting about 210. They haven't scored many runs all season. I know that going in. I'm not expecting many runs to be to be scored. In that first inning, there was a hit to lead off the game, and then there was another hit, and pretty soon there was a home run. The score ended up to be uh, 20 to five. The Nationals win, and. And this guy, this one guy who's coming back from injury, he's kind of their all-star for many years, hasn't played worth a lick all season. He's been terrible all year. He had two home runs in the game. If they would have just scored the runs uh, manufactured and scored by this one player hitting home runs, they would have won the game, but they won it by 15. Why? Because that, you know, when you watch baseball, when you watch softball, for whatever reason, those hits are sort of catching. You know, the next player in line decides, well, if he can do it, I can probably do it. You know, if that guy can get a hit, then I can get a hit. And it just sort of spreads through that lineup so much of the time. Uh, the same principle, for sure, applies in our life and, and in leadership. And, and that's why God is talking to these priests. It's so important that you, you set your heart right on me, God says. Because that's catching. That spreads. And when you ignore me, and you lead a life that says this isn't so important, that catches and that spreads. So he's saying, man, make sure that your heart is right. Walk the walk and talk the talk. 
a long time ago in one of the very first sermons I ever preached. I was a youth pastor, and I, I uh, told a story about uh, uh, Twinkie. And I've told this story here before. And I will say that, you know, you know the, the 70% of the people chose the Oreo, the real Oreo, over the generic uh, Oreo. And I think if, you, if you're going to eat a Twinkie, you might as well spring for the extra and buy the actual Twinkie, right? And my whole theory on this is, is that if you turn a Twinkie over, you can tell the real Twinkie from the generic Twinkie based on the cream that's present on the wrapper in the, in the Twinkies, Right? Because the real cream is going to be sort of oozing out of the Twinkie. You can t- absolutely tell the real thing based on what's coming out of it. Right? As followers of Jesus, if we want to be offering real, authentic worship to God, it matters not what instruments we use on stage. It matters not what songs or style of songs It matters not how loud or how quiet. It matters not the number of songs we sing, the number of prayers that we offer. It matters not how long the preacher, it matters a little bit, but not that much. How long the preacher preaches, right? If we're really authentically worshiping God, we're going to figure it out from what oozes out of our life, from the love we're displaying to other people from the care we're showing in our community. Let's stand up, let's worship him. Let's go from this place, though, and let's, let's really worship him. Let's let him kind of ooze out of our lives.